When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career. For your family. For your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hello and welcome to the Bechdel cast. Hi, my name is Jamie Loftus. My name's Caitlin Durante. This is our show. This is our podcast about the betrayal of women. <laughs> Did I say betrayal? Be- betrayal. Which I think. It's not too far off, I mean, depending on the movie. Most movies betray. Usually it's about the betrayal women. of women in yes. movies. <laughs> um, anyways, this is the show. It's uh, If it's your first time listening, hey, welcome. Welcome. If you like Gremlins, the movie we're discussing today, probably sorry in advance. Yes. <laughs> uh, because we will be talking about both the portrayal of women in the movie and the betrayal, betrayal. of women in the movie. <sighs> TFW, your dad breaks his neck being Santa. <laughs> A problem we can all that was nuts that was a twist i totally forgot about Mm -hmm. well we'll talk about it anyways uh so we critique the portrayal of women in famous movies uh using the bechdel test as a jumping off point the bechdel test being a media metric created by alison bechdel in the 1980s Mm -hmm. uh and uh caitlin what is it? I'm a f- fucking dummy. I forget. Well, first of all, Jamie, you're what not is? a dummy, but I'm happy to remind you that the Bechtel test requires yes. that a movie have two named female identifying characters in the narrative. Mm-hmm. They must speak to each other, and mm-hmm. that conversation cannot be about men. Wouldn't you know it, a lot of movies do not pass this very simple test that is a very low bar. Shucks. I know. Well, whoa, we, that was oh. then wow. <laughs> we're in the we're in the holiday episodes now. Yes, we certainly are. When are we gonna do eight crazy nights? You know what? We should because Next there are year. very few uh, movies, about, movies Hanukkah. about Hanukkah or any other, which is going to be one of my talking points, but there's mm-hmm. so many Christmas movies and so yeah. few holiday movies that are representative of any other Anything major else. religion. I genuinely think we should do i love eight crazy nights i've never seen it there's so much wrong with it i mean it's a it's kind of a nightmare but uh you know it it is 
It's nicer to have to see Adam Sandler as a cartoon. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so anyway. well, that didn't pass the test because we talked about Adam, Adam Sandler. Sandler. <laughs> but we did talk about Hanukkah, and that always passes the Bechdel test. What? Um, nope. I don't know. <laughs> wow. Basically, brave. Be- because every major religion focuses on a patriarchy, I would say that talking about religion in general does not actually pass the Bechdel test. But anywho. Yeah. Here we are. This is the podcast. This is it. Uh, let's. Should we just introduce our guest? Yeah, I'm psyched to have her. Oh my gosh, our guest today. She is a TV writer, a comedian, and the co-creator and a voice on the podcast Mission to Zix, Mujan Zolfagari. Hello, happy to be Hi, here. Thank Hi, you so guys. much. Hi. That went too high. Hi. 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 I'm so excited. <laughs> just, just like a gremlin. Yep. Oh, I can, I can. I just realized I'm really while watching it that I can do a really good gizmo. <gasps> really? I was born to do gizmo. You should oh have been cast God. instead of Howie Mandel. I know. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, Howie Mandel he did does it the before voice. he did Bobby's World. Wow. Uh, what? I don't even know where, uh, where to fall on that. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. <laughs> wow. Wow, hire this woman to be your (laughs) voice actor on anything. Um, So what is your history, your relationship with the movie? So I've never seen it before, but I remember it was a choice. Uh, I recall as a kid it being around. Like I think I was alive when Gremlins 2 came out. Mm -hmm. Because this came out in 1984 and Gremlins came out in 1990, I I believe so, yes. Gremlins 2. And I just didn't want to because it looked really scary and I was a really scared kid. Mm. In fact, I think around that time when Gremlins 2 came out, it was like going to be at a birthday party. We're going to watch it. But we were also watching Brave Little Toaster and that freaked me out. And so I called home and like told my mom I wanted to go home Aww. and that was the movie that got me away from sleepovers oh, but I couldn't wow. tell my mom because I have I'm from a, an immigrant Persian family mm. and my mom did not approve or understand the idea of sleepovers okay. like why would you send your kid to be at a person's house where adults drink beer and they have dogs and so like <laughs> and so I couldn't say it was because they were showing me scary movies so I think I was like I just like have a stomach ache or something I put the blame on myself so I could continue this sinful practice of sleepovers but I chose not to see it and so I saw it for the first time when you told me this is a good movie to watch all right yeah or a movie to watch a movie to watch (laughs) yes this has just been a this has been a popular request uh for three holiday seasons running now (laughs) and so we buckled and uh yeah, Caitlin, what's your history with this movie? Well, I did not see it for the first time until fairly recently as well. I think I probably watched it maybe three years ago. Like, this is not a movie. This is the type of movie that I probably would have grown up with under other circumstances because, like, I would place this in the camp of, like, Back to the Future, The Goonies, like, Indiana Jones, like, that camp of just, like, iconic 80s movies. But for some reason, this just, like, wasn't in my household. So I didn't grow up with it. I have no sentimental attachment to it. It's fun, but people love this movie, and Mm -hmm. I'm just not quite there with it. But, yeah, so I saw it for the first time a couple years ago. Still have not seen Gremlins 2, but I have seen the Key and Peele sketch about the pitch meeting for Gremlins 2, and I love that sketch so much. It has to be better than the actual Gremlins 2 movie, so I'm just going to keep watching that over and over again. (laughs) 
Yeah, what's your history, Jamie? I also didn't grow up with it. Uh, I think my mom's reasoning at the time was that it was too violent. And watching it now, I'm like, it is extremely violent. Yeah, it was PG when it came out. But that was before before there was PG-13, I think. I think this was one of two movies that ushered in the PG-13 rating, this and uh, Temple of Doom. Because there are many murders uh, and the gremlins, I mean, including those of the gremlins, there's human murders and then a lot of vicious. The gremlins gremlin die murders. in very violent ways. They were exploded. Ways. The, yeah. the microwave thing. I was like, if I saw the microwave scene when I was a kid, I would have been traumatized. Yeah. And the last gremlin who just wouldn't die and they just showed they his esophagus and just oh, he was still alive. And like, yeah. Oh, that children, would have what a really... treat. What a treat. Yeah. yeah. I didn't I didn't grow up with it. And I don't think anyone in my family had a particular attachment to it. So I saw it for the first time a couple years ago. And then rewatched it twice for this because there's just like there's so much going on yeah. in this mm-hmm. movie. It's even like genre wise, you're like, what? Who is this for exactly? Like it's <laughs> apparently it was for every. I mean, it was a very successful. Let's see, yeah, an eleven million dollar budget, and it made a hundred fifty million dollars back. <laughs> but Best Spielberg sh- produce results. Yeah, <laughs> it's wild okay so getting into it there it is not surprising that this movie was uh written produced and directed by all men Mm -hmm. and and all uh white men as well you know it almost goes without saying because it's a movie made in the 1980s right but uh boy does that show this is an early chris columbus joint how old was he wrote the script four and it was an ny it was an nyu and he was actually this is a spec script he wasn't intending it to be written no kidding but well what what a treat to be chris columbus and actually the the film i think it's like maybe the film draft or one of the drafts before spielberg got his hands on it was even more yes i read that that it was really gruesome (laughs) and spielberg was like let's dial this back so that we can show it to a broader audience Spielberg tries to get a lot of guys to dial back during this time with varying degrees of success. Mm. For for more, go to our Indiana Jones episode where he tries to talk George Lucas out of making Indiana Jones a rapist and fails. And fails. Um, so, you know, complicit. Right. <laughs> so shall I do the recap? Uh, yeah, let's go for it. Okay. So Gremlins, uh, we open with a guy going into a store in Chinatown. It's the holiday season. Uh, we're not sure what city or area of the country this is in. I don't It's very think... foggy. It reminded me of the L.A. that is, what is that movie that I hate with Harrison Ford? Blade Runner. Blade, Blade Runner. Runner. Oh, yes. Yeah. It oh, looks sure. like. Oh, right. The, just, the start of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like the foggy the blueness. Yeah. The neon lights. And... Yeah. Yeah. That was, I was like, oh, I hate that. I hate Blade Runner. That's how I started. <laughs> the low key racism that's about to happen. Oh, yeah. boy. Yeah. <laughs> yep. We'll get there. So, um, so he goes into Chinatown in whatever city that they're in, somewhere where it snows. Mm-hmm. Um, and he sees a creature called Mogwai. Um, but we don't we don't see this creature yet as the audience. But he's like, this will make a perfect gift for my son. And then the store owner is like, hey, this isn't for sale and you shouldn't take this because... He was basically it, like, you can't handle it. Right. Yeah. Because the Mogwai require a lot of care and attention. And there are three rules for taking care of the Mogwai, which is to keep them out of bright light, mm-hmm. especially sunlight, because it will kill them. Uh, number two, to keep them away from water. And number three, never feed them after midnight. So 
he's like, great, here's $200. I'm taking this with me. And then we meet his son, Billy, who, based on the opening few scenes of this movie, you're like, oh, he's buying a small furry animal for his son. His son's probably 10 years old. But then you're like, he's JK, like, what, 20? He works, he's an yeah. adult with a job he's at a bank. He could yeah. be also a 30 year old playing a 20 year old. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, yeah, he is a young guy. Either way, though. you let's think he's going to be a child and he is an adult with a job at a bank. Although, so. when his dad gives him the gift, he's like, is it a puppy? So right. He, yeah. he is kind I of like a believe. child boy. Also, his only friend is Corey Feldman, is like a 10 year old. So, <laughs> I have to believe that the original draft of the script yeah. was like him as a kid and then they aged him up for right. some reason. But, like, also just a bad choice for a friend of any age. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird because you would like. I feel like this movie would almost work better if it were a ten-year-old discovering Mogwai instead yeah. of a twenty-year-old man. But there's a lot of like. I think this movie kind of tries and fails a bunch of times to make commentary on class. Right. And that's why the character was aged up because there's like a few references to like, well, he has to support his family and that's why he works at the bank and da 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 because his dad's a shitty inventor. Where it's right. like. There were also a lot of weird, like, Disney – I mean, it, I guess it couldn't have been references to this because it was, like, references to Disney movies that may not have even existed yet. But, like, the whole, like, dad being a shitty inventor thing, you're like, oh, that's kind of <laughs> right. Beauty and the Beastie. Yeah. And then there's that whole first scene with – what's the name of the mean old lady that is, like, oh, Mrs. Mrs. Deagle. De- De- Mrs. Deagle? Yeah. Mrs. Deagle? She's yeah. basically Mrs. Gulch exactly. from The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. She's a combo of Miss Gulch and of Mr. Potter from it's a wonderful life and also um, scrooge she's like a, a right. christmas scrooge yeah. yeah oh yeah she's she's a lot of villains in one and yeah. then ultimately i'm just like it feels like her character is supposed to be yeah like the like she like has the main money. villain or something but maybe. then but then it kind of falls flat yeah, I don't know. yeah Although it, my first reaction upon seeing miss Mrs. Deagle. Mrs. Deagle is is like, ooh, I like this badass woman. Like, she doesn't take, like, she's just walking by and just, like, stopping cars. Like, she (laughs) has her own agenda. She has her own backstory. But but then she's a capitalist. You're like, boo. Doesn't really. She's got a big ass (laughs) ceramic head. You're like, this could go a lot of ways. (laughs) She's killing dogs. I mean, so Billy works at a bank. He has a dog. And then there's also a woman there named Kate who works at the bank and is friends with Billy. And then Mrs. Deagle comes in and she's so much. Miss Gulch that she's basically like, I'll get you my pretty and your little dog too. She literally tries, she's like, except except she goes a step further and describes how she would kill right. the dog. Right. But in her defense, like the dog ruined like a precious like ceramic. ornament of a ceramic like probably she saved money like we don't know the backstory but this she's vicious like, dog like... came and destroyed it. This beautiful thing she had, maybe it's the last thing her dead husband gave her. Mm. And, like, Ooh. this dude brings his dog to work? I mean, come on. That's true. <laughs> is you there a bring, bring dog, dog to work to policy? A bank, necessarily. Yeah, to a there is here at House that Works. Hey, Anderson, Sophie's dog. Right, but they anyway. probably had an agreement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. I feel like at the bank, I don't maybe I'm being a stiff by being like, don't bring your dog to the bank. But I feel perhaps don't. Banks are, yeah, they're not necessarily a dog-friendly environment. It's hell. Dogs don't belong there. (laughs) Yeah. Dogs need to be in happy places. Yeah. Um, Okay, so then, so we meet uh, Billy and and Kate and Mrs. Deagle, and then uh, the man from the beginning gives the mogwai to Billy for Christmas, and he's cute, he's furry, his name is, is Gizmo, he likes to sing. And then Billy's friend Pete, which is Corey Feldman's character, comes over and yeah, meets Gizmo. His friend is a 10-year-old. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
uh, who's dressed as a Christmas tree for most of the movie. <laughs> and he accidentally spills a jar of water on Gizmo. And then these little like fur balls burst out of his body and then they grow into other mogwai. So he like we find out that they multiply when they come in contact with water. Right. But the new ones, the new mogwai are not like Gizmo. They're a little bit more rambunctious. And there's one with a stripe on his head. And he's like their leader. And then Billy wakes up and his dog Barney is like hanging outside, tangled in like Christmas lights. And he oh. thinks it was Mrs. Deagle. But it's like, maybe it was the mogwai. We don't know. Uh, and then he takes one of them to school and one of his, like, I guess, former teachers runs some tests on it. Oh, right. Because he's not, it's weird that he would just go to the high school right, if he's a man. Right, he's a man. Yeah. Right. I have no relationship with anyone no. in my high school anymore to go to a scientist, like a proper <laughs> scientist. You're an adult. You work at a bank. Google. No, you Google. He walks in okay. so, like... I didn't, that didn't even register with me because he acts like he belongs there. Right. He's like, oh yeah, I just go into the high school. Unless yeah. he is in high school and he, he just can... also has a job at a bank. And he's never, we just never see him I'm at not school. sure. It's not clear how old he's supposed to be. Right. And his best friend is 10. Yes. So I don't know what's, <laughs> what's going on with Billy. So then Billy feeds the other Mogwai and he wakes up and they've transformed. They're in this like cocoon phase now. And he's like, wait a minute, I didn't feed them after midnight. But turns out he did because they like cut the cord to his alarm clock and they tricked him so that they would be fed after midnight. And then these like egg cocoon things hatch and born are these scary, creepy, violent gremlins but Gizmo is still nice and cute, so he's fine. So these gremlins start to wreak havoc on the city. There's, like, the one at the school who's, like, attacking the teacher. Um, there's the ones at home that attack his mom. The mom fights back. The mom fights yes. back, and we'll yes. talk about that yeah. scene. But Stripe, the stripey one, survives and escapes. And then so Billy goes after Stripe. Stripe jumps in a swimming pool and multiplies like crazy. Oh, yeah, they go to the Y and yeah. then he, yeah. they like wreak havoc on the Y. The Y is just open, I guess. Oh, my it's a 24 hour the y. y. It's fun to stay at the YMCA. I love the Y. Um, and you. so now there's a, an army of gremlins and they're going all over town. They kill Mrs. Deagle. And, like, mm -hmm. They kill a lot of people. They a do lot. kill the racist neighbor. Yes. yes. So that's a win. But also the man who looked like Santa Claus, who's in the beginning of the movie, who's just simply buying a tree it's true oh, yeah it's true there some of their kills are on point others they're are just random yeah they're just killing on. at random phoebe kate reveals in the 11th hour uh sorry <laughs> phoebe kate plays kate mm -hmm. she reveals in the 11th hour because originally she's like i don't like christmas yeah. and billy's like why i'm 10 i love christmas <laughs> and she's at the end she's like well since you asked my dad dressed up as santa and got in our chimney first of all why would you do that and then he got like well, he got confronted. He fell and broke his neck and so in she's the like, chimney. She's yeah. like, and that's how I found oh. out Santa wasn't real. And they, she could smell him. She knew there was like a, it's like yeah. a weird, like, very what? dramatic monologue that also, if you Google it, is in comedy monologues. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, because actually the intention of that scene, it was like Joe Dante, either the director or Chris Cooper, the dude who wrote it. Chris Cooper. Chris Cooper. <laughs> 
Chris Coop. Chris Coop. <laughs> but they actually want they wanted that scene in because it's it's both comedy and drama, so it plays with the crowd. So I guess like back in the day when the movie came out, if you watch it with like a full theater, people will be laughing at that scene because oh. it's jarring. But me watching it alone, I was like, what is happening? It's morbid. It's like, a moment <laughs> of backstory. Do we need this? <laughs> I this was like one of the few times that a movie chooses to characterize its own like basically its only female character, and you're just like, I didn't need that. Yeah. I actually didn't want to know like that what did that add right. to the story nothing well, cuz for a while weird. I was on board with her cuz I'm a curmudgeon who thinks Christmas is creepy and yeah, I don't right. like it yeah. and uh she's like yeah I don't celebrate Christmas and I'm fine with that but then you find out why and it's because like You're her so dad had this grisly Christmas related death like, and it's like Chris oh. Columbus you sicko <laughs> like what are you talking about okay. that's crazy there I don't know I liked her character well we can get into that too I liked her character a lot where she's a you know she's a working gal she's Two circulating jobs. petitions Two well, she's I, like I the like perfect her. we'll get it like yeah. perfect girl next door with yeah. demon background <laughs> right. with the most fucked up backstory ever i just don't I, oh god i mean when i eventually fist fight chris columbus and i will <laughs> chris coop columbus mr chris coop i'm just gonna be like why did you why did you do her like that there she worked so hard why did mm-hmm. you have to kill her dad in the most violent fashion yeah. god. God. <laughs> okay so then the gremlins are killing people they invade a movie theater where they watch snow white mm-hmm. which is how we know that they're the villains of the movie because they love snow white and stuff <laughs> dwarves <laughs> refer back to our snow white episode for more details um and then Billy and Kate blow up the movie theater, and then it kills all the gremlins except again for Stripe. And then he goes, Stripe goes into a department store Montgomery and he fucks everything Ward. up. Yeah. Oh right, Rest I remember yeah. that place. The Stripe has a gun and yes! is shooting at Billy. <laughs> Not only does he have guns, but they gremlins have these tiny guns, like gremlin gremlin size guns. Where did they get them? Where do you get like? Oh boy, I just don't know. And then so Stripe tries to multiply himself again, but then Gizmo, he's like been racing around in a like little toy car, and he zooms up and opens a window and lets the sunlight in, and then it melts Stripe in what's a horrifying (laughs) scene. Yeah, it's really disgusting. Mm -hmm. And then so then. The bad gremlins have been defeated, and then at the end of the movie, the Chinese store owner comes back, and he's like, you messed up, you white people. I'm taking Gizmo back because you don't know how to do anything. And the dad's just like, oh, man, sorry. Yeah. Whoops, I think that would happen. Oh, boy. And that is the movie. Yay. So why don't we take a quick break, and then we will come back to discuss. <laughs> Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. 
It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Where to begin? Oh boy. Well, let's talk about... Should we just go right into the racism of the movie? <laughs> it feels like what what part of the Sunday is it? Is it the cherry or the chocolate there, fudge? I mean, we uh, let's get into it. That's that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. So the way Asian and specifically Chinese culture is represented in this movie is... Ooh, um, I talked to friend of the cast, former guest, uh, Sita Shong, who was our guest on the Crazy Rich Asians episode, and she had this to say about it. I'm just going to read what she wrote because it's it. great. She says, well, there's no existence of furry critters in Chinese history that explode into a mass of overpopulation overnight. Magwai in Chinese literally means demon or devil, but it doesn't have the traditional Judeo-Christian connotations attached. Sometimes a demon in Chinese culture is simply a spirit that is returned to earth or someone with an unsettled debt. Demons aren't necessarily evil. The thing I find funny about the Chinese origin of gremlins is that the movie Critter takes very little from any kind of real Chinese mythology, but really builds on the 1980s fear of red China. I really see the mogwais or Chinese critters as just another extension of the Red Scare. These Chinese monsters are uncontrollable. They run rampant in America, aping all the things that make America American. The gremlins are incredibly destructive. Once they've been let out of the bag, so to speak, they run amok during the height of a very sacred holiday in America, which is Christmas. This, to me, really reads as a what-happens scenario if something Asian does take over in America. This is supported textually by a line of dialogue. Um, This is the racist character who we mentioned who hates all things foreign. He says, you got to watch out for gremlins because foreigners put gremlins in their machinery. The same gremlins that brought down our planes in World War II. Mm -hmm. 
There's definitely a weird othering of Asian culture here. The only Asian characters are mysterious, speak in riddles, and if we think of the gremlins as Asian, then they also speak in gibberish. Gremlins rely pretty heavily on the idea of Orientalism, which is that the Far East is inscrutable and it's impossible for any Westerner to try. And once anyone tries, they unleash chaos that has to be contained by any means necessary. Billy doesn't ever try to understand the gremlins. In the movie, he only tries to defeat them, which makes sense if you think of Billy in the American exceptionalism sort of way. So that's everything that Sita had to say about it. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, that was great. And I mean, that says it all. Yeah, I mean, the fact that it is, and, and it's it's tricky with movies like this, for me it is anyways, to try to identify, because it came out thirty almost 35 years ago now, mm-hmm. exactly what you're supposed to be laughing at and what you're just, because most of it now does not read as jokes that hold up in any way, because right. a lot of them are just racist. But yeah. the neighbor character is the most overtly racist. Yes. Um, and there's so much coding in this movie, which we'll, which Cedar references and, and we can get into. But the the neighbor is, you know, like literally implying that uh, I, I, I think people from Asian cultures are putting gremlins in cars yes and like the the title of the movie comes from this like bizarro racist rant from the neighbor which later becomes a town-wide accepted word right for what they are mm-hmm. and it's just i i can't tell if a 1984 audience is supposed to think that's funny well maybe yeah. they also i mean that character ends up being killed and right, so that right. and like the villainous lady were killed but created in such a way that people the audience would hate them so maybe they were intended to be this racist so their death would right. it would be more comical than us having any empathy for their death i was confused about that because but then they also kill santa yes and you're like and then they try to kill that, like billy's mom so yeah. they're they're like and they right. killed the biology dude right, right. so they're which indiscriminate was the first which, death I yes think, too which uh, is like one of the only people of color in the movie of yeah. course is yeah. the first to die well there's some like historical context time. to like the gremlin word which is it's from like i think world war one or world war two which is like that's the word that they would use to explain why so many planes were falling or well, there were so many technical errors is mm. the idea that these mysterious like demons or something are messing things up huh. and so but chris coop carter <laughs> chris coop carter columbus i'm just gonna each time i mess it up he apparently wrote it based off of of the mice in his living room yes i read uh, that yeah he but just then, had no, a mice but, infestation but then he probably also any inherent racism he may have had. I don't know. I'm just I'm just implying. That. Right. Well, I mean, that's a tricky thing with this where it's like he the, it seems pretty well accepted now. And I honestly wasn't familiar w- with this reading of the movie and felt silly once I started to read about it. Because right. the, the second you read about it, you're like, oh, of course, I'm right. a fucking idiot. Like, yeah. And it's it's confusing a little bit because you're just it's it's I mean, it's possible that Chris Coop Carter Columbus did not fully understand it was being an ignorant dumbass by right. doing this but then there are certain moments like with the neighbor where it's like you couldn't not know what you were saying there right. but maybe he thought he was playing it for laughs I don't know like it just I feel like there's just so much inherent racism in people yeah. white people of this mm-hmm. time that they're yeah. you know coding things certain ways which because also the movie has been criticized for coding the gremlins as black youth and playing into right. negative black stereotypes. Right. Um, I mean, that's like the big right. 
So this comes from a blog post that I read on the internet. Ever heard of it? Wow. Uh, the blog post is entitled The Racism We Never Noticed in Gremlins. And this is by WordPress user Vegan Mystical. says, in Ceramic Uncles and Celluloid Mammies, Patricia Turner writes that the gremlins, quote, reflect negative African-American stereotypes in their dress and behavior. They are shown devouring fried chicken with their hands, listening to black music, breakdancing, and wearing sunglasses after dark, and newsboy caps, a style common among African-American males in the 1980s. I recently ordered that book. I haven't read it yet, but I am uh, really interested to read this book by Patricia Turner, Ceramic Uncles and Celluloid Mammies. Um, in that same uh, in that same piece, because I... I read it as well. There was an interesting commentary that I didn't pick up on just strictly due to lack of historical knowledge, mm-hmm. specifically about that first scene where the white man purchases a like black-coated character from the uh, from the Asian-coated store. Okay, it reads. <laughs> <laughs> as a side note, Asian characters, particularly Chinese, were grossly stereotyped in the 80s films as wise omnipotent sorcerer types, like we just discussed, from Gremlins, Karate Kid, Kung Fu, etc. Moreover, Asians also owned slaves and uh, tended to side with white supremacy. In The Color of Success, Asian Americans and the Originals of the Model Minority, Ellen D. Wu explains, quote, Chinese immigrants and their children needed to be fully integrated into American society, unquote, and did so by sacrificing unique cultural customs and engaging in American, quote, assimilation at the level of full equality of social, economic, and political participation, unquote. Mm -hmm. So again, we don't really have any insight into where the fuck this scene comes from but there's a lot of readings of it that make it this very sinister yeah. historical yeah, I wonder if 24 year old Chris Carter Cooper <laughs> Columbus <laughs> intended this you can't yeah. find the thing is yeah. the thing I find most frustrating is you can't find any evidence that he has spoken about this in public or even considered it a legitimate criticism where it's like if you wrote this in your 20s and you're an ignorant shit then the absolute least you can do is cop to it later acknowledge it and be like whoops i fucked up yeah i just thought it was like a cool thing now like a mystical asian dude selling the cute little furry animal without realizing (laughs) the huge implications right like i you know because there are so many movies like this with directors who are alive well and still working at a very high level and it the very very fucking least you can do is uh, acknowledge that you were either being outwardly hateful or were really copping to these gigantic ignorant blind spots yes so chris columbus you're on fucking notice notice. there's also a moment from the movie dear white people where a professor says to tessa thompson's character might i also remind you that i read your entire 15 page unsolicited treatise on why gremlins is actually about suburban white fear of black culture and tessa thompson's character sam white responds the gremlins are loud talk and slang are addicted to fried chicken and freak out when you get their hair wet Basically, I want to read this 15-page paper Release that doesn't the exist. Document, yes, yeah. Thompson. <laughs> yeah, I feel like because as as an outsider, foreigner, human, I, I had the kind of the same reaction to it too, where I felt like Gizmo Mogwai was the idea of becoming Westernized. Like if you don't if you don't break these rules, if you stay within what we believe you should be as an American, you're fine. But if you bring any outside influence or outside things or change us in any way or come, yeah. 
the idea of like outside influence and you're breaking those rules and you become gremlins and you're seen as an intruder to American society. Right. So you shouldn't try and change. I don't know. So yeah. For sure. I had like an adverse reaction to it. But Gizmo was so cute. (laughs) And it's frustrating because like Gizmo's like whatever the cutie that everyone remembers from the movie. But Mm -hmm. it's like you just sort of see in that character a level of like just complicitness and willingness to play ball with the problematic white protagonist of the movie. And Spielberg actually wanted to keep Gizmo in the whole movie. Originally, Gizmo turns into a gremlin, but Spielberg's like, we need like a pal. We need like a fun little side character that yeah. we're reminded of how cute everything is. Gotta and sell lunchboxes. Yeah. It worked. Mm-hmm. It did. This movie, I mean, yeah, this it, it's, it's a hard watch. Right, because like the connotation of that then becomes, oh, well, like we've got this like cute thing that comes from this exotic mystical culture that white people don't right. understand and right. and it's cute at first but then it spawns these evil things and it's like the message well, that that sends is and the fact that it literally starts with a purchase yeah and like a negotiation on a purchase is so sinister and basically a colonized purchase like you're taking it without being allowed to Cause yeah, yeah, right. Because yeah. the elder guy in the shop is like, it's not for sale. But then the son is like, or like the grandson, or the, there's a younger kid there. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, we need the money. Like, well, we'll take it. And here, here you go. But yeah, like the wise old guy is like, you shouldn't have this. But even the, right, the, but... the the wise old guy is such a stereotype too exactly. that just like everything is just it's just a fucking <laughs> yes. Yeah. All like... those movies in the eighties had this guy. Or yeah. had this yeah. idea of the magical Asian, like, yep. ooh. <laughs> Which is, like, for Asian actors and people of color, it's like, cool, we get roles. But at the same time, it's, like, not the roles that are helping us. Right, they're just perpetuating right. yeah. all those stereotypes and all of that racism. And that's the first scene in the movie. It's <laughs> yeah. just, like, it's, yeah. it's upsetting. And then, I mean, Chris Columbus, to speak of his catalog, Gremlins is the first movie he writes. And then he goes on to write other, like, the Goonies, which I haven't seen in a while, mm. but if you do even a little bit of reading about The Goonies, it has many similar problems yeah. with race, and it's just, oh, God. He's a mess. And then Harry mess. Potter, right? Harry and then Potter. the two worst Harry Potters. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, you know, f- f- fuck him, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Part of me wants to at least hope that like these filmmakers didn't intentionally set out to portray these racist stereotypes and do all this racist coding but again because just racism is so ingrained into white people and society in America as a whole they probably didn't intentionally set out to do this but they did it anyway just because of the systematic racism yeah it would be a different story if a movie like this came out or at least set up in the way it was, came out today. Right. right. Yeah. But then I'm just like, I trust no bitch in regards to issues like this, because then you find the George Lucas document that's like, no, I know he's a rapist, but he's the hero. I wish right. he were more of a rapist. Right. And so there are examples of like movies of this era with creators knowing full well what they're doing and doubling down kind Mm -hmm. of for no reason other than the fact that they can. Right. And they think it's funny or cool or whatever the fuck is going through these. I don't know. Yeah. It's 
Yeah. Or they just like need a backstory for this animatronic idea that they got. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. Bad like, better make it Asian. And yeah. it's just like, oh, goodness gracious. Um, well, so that's that. Um, shall we yeah. talk about the female characters? Which one? Uh, yeah. right? Wait, how many were there? Well, uh, there's all two <laughs> or three. Three. We've got Miss Gulch. Miss Gulch, we've got the mom, and we've got Kate. Oh, there's so. also. Um, the one that Miss Deagle talks to in the beginning oh, of the yes. movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's yes. on screen for that one scene, and we'll we'll talk about that yeah, later okay, whenever okay. we uh, discuss whether or not the movie passes the Bechdel test. But um, okay, so let's start with Kate. Um, I would argue that she is an example of a female character in a movie that you can remove from the script, and the movie is mm, virtually unchanged. Change. Right, I agree. The story same would play out basically the same exact way because there's nothing that she does that advances the story or changes the direction of the story. Um, she's basically a sidekick to Billy who does nothing. <laughs> so. Sir, could you take Billy out of the movie also? Like, <laughs> I don't... This whole, like, I don't know. This is, like, a weird... Not to give... I, I know we're talking about Kate now, but there's, like, all this... Getting back to sort of, like, the failed class commentary mm-hmm. of this is, I mean... I don't think this movie even remotely meant to make this point, but it's like, oh, yeah, like very often all white communities that are middle class can be very racist. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's what the movie's trying to say at all. But like with Kate, we have like a working girl character who it's weird because she checks a lot of like boxes that I'm looking to get checked Mm -hmm. where we know what she does for a job. Mm -hmm. We know she feels strongly about at least two things, which is that she does not like Christmas and she would like to save this bar. Yes. Uh, we know, unfortunately, we know a little bit about her back history, yep. which is the, the worst thing I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> but you can, you're totally right. She can be removed very easily. It's, it's confusing to me that, that we do know so much about her, given how little impact she has on the plot. Right. And then she's essentially there to serve as the romantic interest for Billy. And needs to get a little kiss at the end. Right. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that because they are colleagues and friends at the beginning of the movie. Somewhere I'd say around halfway through, Billy asks Kate out on a date. And I seen that I think it's fairly well handled because he's clear about his intentions. and you, You don't hear people Ask, ask for dates. Right. But he literally says, hey, if you're not doing anything this Thursday, I'd want, I was wondering if you'd like to go on a date with me. Like the language that's yes. used there, I appreciate mm-hmm. because I can't tell you how many times a guy's been like, hey, do you like want to hang out sometime? And it's like, okay, God. in what context? Oh what do yeah. you mean? And then they're like, I don't know. It's just like, like, whatever. Like, we can just hang out. And it's like, okay, are you asking me out on a date? I need to know this. And it's okay. remarkable. It's been a year. I don't understand what's <laughs> happening right now. And they're like, I don't understand why you're asking me to define something. <laughs> we live uh... together, okay? We have a child. <laughs> We're married. I don't understand. Are we in a relationship we're married <laughs> there are yeah i don't there's so many examples of like already being in the middle of a meal and then being like oh my god this is a date to this person no right oh, yeah yeah or, so uh i don't know just anyone who's asking anyone else for a date be clear about your intentions a yeah. point also, for billy but billy also be clear about your age be like yeah, i like just go on a date i am also blank years old i am 10 <laughs> is that okay i'm 10 okay? i work at are you 10 are you yeah. 20 are you 30? We don't know. I'm like the movie Jack also. <laughs> I'm Benjamin Button. Benjamin and, Button. 
Um, and then she says, she, he, he asks her out for a date. She says, I'd love to. And he's like, okay, yeah, that's great. We can square away the details on the phone. And it's just like, okay, I appreciated how that happened. It was cute. Yeah. But then later on, they're fighting the gremlins in the department store. And then he just like out of nowhere kisses her. Like well, there was no lead up to that, I feel he, like. He does say like, go look for lights. And then they kiss. Oh. So he gives her a task. And that okay. gets everyone horned up. <laughs> <laughs> I simply cannot feel sexual feelings unless I'm given a, a job to do a task. <laughs> if I'm not caring for someone, am I relevant to the world? Well, speaking of care, so like after the battles have happened between, you know, Billy and the gremlins, Gizmo is there and like he gets kind of wrapped up and he's like, here, caregiver woman, yeah. take care of this thing while I go off and fight. So that was cute. <laughs> um, well, there's also, uh, oh, you know what? Let's take a break. Let's take a break, and then we can, we'll talk more. You know, <laughs> very, very organic break take. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just snowplowed you. People do die via snowplow in this movie. That's, no, that's true. So yeah, she's exists in the story to basically be the cute girl that Billy likes and serves really no other function. We're talking about Kate. Yes, Kate. Yeah, she's like the yeah the perfect girl next door who is just always there for him whenever he needs him. And in yeah. all these movies too, it's just like the white male geeky nerd savior who gets the hottest girl in town or the yeah. only girl in town. I don't know. Right. Uh, I that's like at least it's not as bad as a John Hughes movie, mm. but it's still like really Billy yeah. has no skills. He is a nice boy. He's not like a. We don't know his demon backstory. Right. He's only 10 you years old. Don't. Except that he's 10, and that's really <laughs> yes. what he hasn't said yet. Right. You, Unlike a lot of male heroes in movies, especially from this area, era, but also still today, they carry so much like toxic masculinity and machismo. And Billy, to this movie's credit, is not like that. No. But he has no skill except that he can draw comics. He can draw. He draws and he um, counts money at he his bank job. I mean, hey, neither is a crime. Yeah. And uh, he hangs but, out with little Corey Feldman, which is I, actually which a con. A it's a con. It's which a crime. Yeah. Crime. We're not sure how old he is. <laughs> right. Uh, I just wanted to point out uh, in regards to the mom scene. Oh, so yes. We don't know a lot about the mom other than she's a mom. And so we see her. She be cooking a lot. She's, she's supporting her mediocre kitchen. husband. She's very supportive in a way that's God. like there's so- they, there's something going on. Like she's like, <laughs> like the most supportive person. Yeah. Like, honey, I'm uh, like this thing is broke. She's like, oh, don't worry, honey. That yeah. sounds great. Here's your dad's another in- invention he made. Like, I feel like if she just said it, if she acted it out in just like a little slighter, more annoyed way, we totally get the backstory of this family. I like right. want, yeah, I'm like, let's see her without Xanax and see like what happens. <laughs> but I, I, I feel for her because I'm like, your husband is a dud, dude. He can't even crack an egg. He's a dork loser. He seems to be hemorrhaging money by pursuing his dreams. And by uh, dropping $200 on these mystical pets. Just to get a gift that he didn't consult his wife about. Like, right. he just assumed she would also be okay with this mogwai furry character being in the house. Mm-hmm. An unknown species that we don't understand how it is to take care of. You're just assuming your and, son's going to take like, care of it? It comes with, like, a manual. With scary-sounding rules. <laughs> like, you take care of it when your son's at the bank and also high school or elementary school. Like, you don't know. <laughs> There's the... Or college. Or, college. or grad <laughs> school. This is a great time to mention that I do have a master's degree oh in screenwriting God. from Boston University. <laughs> but uh, anyway. Don't encourage her. <laughs> the, okay, the mom. What I wanted to talk about was the mom fighting scene. This is a yes. very typical scene of this era, but also kind of still of almost any era where you know it's like a, a woman is fighting. Yep, and she's defending herself, and she is to some extent victorious, even though she ultimately needs to be rescued. Right, uh, and is immediately handed off to a man, and is like she's. Yeah, give just her her literally salts. just handed off, like shoved into him. And then bye bye, mom. Rest of movie. But yep. but the thing we've talked about a lot on this show is the only weapons she has are domestic yep. weapons. Mm. She's only allowed to defend herself using. She has a knife, but it's one she was just using to cook. Uh, she like kills him using a blender. She kills him using a microwave. Like there every way she has to defend herself as 
impressive as it looks and is are domestic tools. And also when you take in the whole racial issue with this whole movie, it's a domestic white woman absolutely slaughtering a bunch of uh, coded coded, non white characters. So that is actually not as triumphant. uh, And it's just, it's not, it's uh, it's a mess. It's not good. Wow. I came into this being like, oh man, that scene was pretty cool. And now I'm like, oh yeah, (laughs) never mind. Yeah, you're right. Peel back those layers and then you realize. Using her woman tools. Right. And then then contrast that with, so as you mentioned, Jamie, she does need to be saved. So she kills three of the four gremlins who attack her so she kills the first three but then a fourth one comes at her and she can't fight it off from the tree and she can't fight it off so then billy shows up and saves her and he while she has been using the blenders and the microwaves and all the kitchen appliances he comes in grabs a sword off the wall hits the gremlin with the sword and launches it into the fire so these are like Hmm. very typical like manly like actual weapons yeah that he uses yeah. to defeat the gremlins with. And then by contrast, she has used these like very domestic, yeah. typically feminine and tools. And Kate too. Katie, Kate, uh, the Leventress. Yes. She was using a camera, like very, like not very violent, but very right. like, artistic, womanly sort of thing. And I which... suppose there's an argument to be made for like, okay, so she is resourceful. She's using yes. what she has at her disposal. But, but the fact that we see this again and again, we talked about this in the Halloween episode with um, the Laurie Strode character using like clothing hangers and knitting needles to try to fight it. off right. a killer. And then Indiana Jones. Raiders of the Lost Ark. She uses a frying pan to hit a guy over the head with. A lot of frying hand bonk. <laughs> in yes. the history of cinema. <laughs> you know, I've tried and it doesn't work. Really <laughs> well. You'd have to get Look like a cast iron skillet. Like a really heavy like iron skillet. Yeah. But yeah, so but yeah, we so we see this again and again and or the other option if a woman is fighting men usually or anything, it's usually like a female action hero who wraps her legs and mm. her crotch around a guy's face and then like the body slams him. Right. Also the idea that they can only defend themselves to a certain point. Like they can't fully defend themselves. Right. Yeah. They Still always need to be always saved. Always need to be saved. That's Although, in Halloween too. Yeah. Not, not Halloween Although too. like give them 30 more seconds they would have figured out a solution. Right. You didn't need to be there. Yes. But they always yeah. But it's always so even though this movie doesn't have like the typical macho male hero it does like fall into the many trappings of these like well the man still has to save yeah, a woman a and and mom can only fight using mom stuff right and then later on he blows up a movie theater with like this big explosion which is again a very like macho manly way to defeat something and then kate's just like i don't know what to do. here's a camera <laughs> like yeah also my dad dressed up as santa and then died <laughs> I can't get over it. I wish she'd had more of those soliloquies, just like more backstory. What if all of her family members had died in a horrifying way dressed as a seasonal character? <laughs> Always like, going through the chimney, too. That chimney. My mom was dressed as the Easter bunny. And <laughs> she put herself in an egg. So that's why I don't celebrate I, It annoyed me that that's the reason that she ends. I mean, I it makes sense for the character and for anyone that you wouldn't I like mean, a holiday that kills your father. Absolutely, sure. yeah. But... <laughs> 
I want to see representation on screen of a person who doesn't like Christmas because Christmas is creepy. And I know I'm going to get a lot of shit for saying this. But Christmas is creepy. I hate Christmas music. Mm -hmm. All those like slow, like hymn-like songs, especially like Silent Night. That is creepy. Santa Claus, an old white guy deciding if children are good or not. That's creepy nativity scenes are frightening and i also hate the capitalism and consumerism of the holiday in general i will say that i enjoy the spirit of giving and the emphasis on like being with loved ones around Mm -hmm. the holiday time but everything about christmas is creepy also you cut a tree and you watch it die (laughs) right yeah you're just like destroying nature there's a lot of things wrong with christmas (laughs) well i you're allowed to love christmas i do Um, But with that, as I hinted at before, there are so many movies about Christmas, so few movies. There is a movie called Winter Solstice, which is the holiday that I celebrate around this time of year, but uh, I don't know what it's about, and no one saw it, including me. This is just the time of year where Caitlin and I drink a lot and watch Titanic. Yes. (laughs) It's the most wonderful time of the year. Yes. (laughs) The version of the holiday season that I have cultivated for myself I now enjoy very much because it literally Mm -hmm. is just like watching Titanic on repeat. And that's we're really good at that. Yes. (laughs) But but, Uh, This uh, movie actually didn't come out during the Christmas holiday. It came out earlier because they wanted to, I think, fight it against... Uh, Ghostbusters, so it came out like oh. in the summer or something like that. Another hmm. movie riddled with problems. Yeah. God, <laughs> I can't stand Ghostbusters. I simply can't stand it. <laughs> it bothers me. Anyways, this but, movie sucks also. <laughs> yes, it does. And oh, but Gizmo. 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 It's great. Gizzy is a sweetheart. But uh, my point is, let's see more movies and stories about uh, holidays that are celebrated usually by marginalized people because they are Muslim or they are Jewish or... Yeah, or do the way my family did, which is I forced Christmas upon my family because I didn't want to be the one kid in my town, Irish Catholic town, who didn't do it. Yeah. Uh, and it sucks that you felt you had to do that, but yeah. that is a very common Huge. thing. Yeah, and then one there is one Christmas where my parents totally got into it. Mm. Like, like, we would decorate our house top to bottom, Christmas decorations, and we would have uh, Latter-day Saint solicitors always come to our door and oh, one sure. time they came to our door and they're like do you believe in jesus and my mom had like a christmas brooch there's like a tree behind her presence jesus like like a placard <laughs> or whatever and she's like no no we don't know what that is and she just closed the door <laughs> christmas to us is just like uh it's just a gift in fact, one yeah. morning uh i don't have the sweater anymore but one morning she makes us used to make us dress up in like all the same and take a photo mm-hmm. uh, she buy us all the same sweaters the sweater somewhere in our house which she got it from Walmart of course and it says Christmas and as a tree an American holiday <gasps> yeah sinister I was the one person in the family photo I think I was like 15 I'm like no mother I don't agree <laughs> she's like you brought this upon us <laughs> my family had a, a, an opposite thing where we did celebrate Christmas until I was I, remember, I think like 16 or so and then my mom was like my mom was like no, we're atheists and we're going to celebrate winter solstice instead, which was basically the same exact thing as us celebrating Christmas because we still like put up a tree and stuff, but we just uh, got gifts four days earlier on December 21st. Oh, that's kind of chill. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Nice. Um, does anyone have any other final thoughts about 
the film Gremlins. I wanted to say one last thing about, and this is, you know, for for us is kind of, you know, an obvious point, but Miss Deagle, just of the three female characters, making one the shrewiest shrew who's ever shrewd, yeah. is like... Uh, it's, right. it's an easy choice that they certainly yeah. did make. And this movie makes every easy did choice. Did you guys notice that one of the gremlins in the bar scene was wearing her red wig? Because after oh, they killed her, because she wasn't wearing a wig in that scene, she was like all natural. Oh. They took, they killed her and I assume perused her clothes and was wearing their clothes. So I think the clothes they're wearing in the bar scene and then later in the cinema are the clothes of the people they've murdered. Maybe that's where they got the tiny <gasps> gun. Think about it. Ooh. I had like a, a big thought that came as I was Please watching it. it. So I, at this point, nothing is canon that's happened in Gremlins 2. I understand Gremlins 2, it's it's more justified or it's explained, but we don't know the gender of what a mogwai is or like what a gremlin is. It's just right. like a gender neutral thing. And so we're assuming they're males because we just assume they're because males. Howie Mandel. Yeah, I guess was referred to... They use he pronouns. He. Okay, they do? Yes. Okay. But, that, but also they're making it because how do they know? Yeah, they know. Right. Well, also, gender doesn't apply to animals like it does to people. So, mm-hmm. it, but it, they they do seem gendered as male, which right? Is... And they're persona. They're like person. They act like humans uh-huh. yeah. later on. But I know in the second movie there is a female gremlin, and it she looks. Does like she have the, a bow or something? She has like God. makeup on, and I don't know. If she has <sighs> breastises, but well, she might have breastises. According, according to the Key and Peele Gremlins two sketch that I love so much, Peele is going around the room, uh, like the writers' room, and just like asking for pitches for Gremlin types. And the one woman in the room says, "Could there be a female Gremlin?" And Peele's character responds, "Lipstick boobies, bitch! You had me a little Gremlin for JJ." And then he later says, "That's why we need a woman in the writers' room." <laughs> Brave. Wow. <laughs> so I have not seen Gremlins 2. Right. I don't know how that female, quote-unquote, Gremlin is stylized, but I'd have to imagine that it's very, like, egregiously, like, she's got a pink bow or yeah, she, she has boobs. totally so miss that man her, yeah. yeah. Oh, God. So. Yeah. Well, also, just in general, when he asked, when they got the three rules in the beginning, and this is just not even a back, it's just like a general note about the whole movie. <laughs> it could have all been solved if you asked, oh, why do you, what happens if you yeah. break those rules? Right. What are the stakes? What are the stakes? <laughs> all right, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Bye. <laughs> Oh, okay, then actually, unfortunately, I cannot make this purchase. Right, it's a fault on both sides. A little kid should have been like, you know, they will mass murder your town, but, you know, 200 I, bucks. I shouldn't be spending $200 uh, if my 10-year-old son's working at the bank. I gotta go. Yeah. Um, I did a quick Google search for female gremlin, and the results show a gremlin heart. with very noticeable red lipstick with long green hair mm-hmm. and she's wearing what appears to be a like cheetah print yeah. uh, bra and mini skirt. Yeah, it's so. like the female oh. M&M. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Yes, just yeah. like she's like heels. And, you gotta yeah. make sure men wanna fuck, fuck that, that gremlin. <laughs> For a video I always found really helpful of like female coded 
characters or creatures in movies and in media in general is from a past guest of the show, Anita Sarkeesian. I mm. uh, made a great video about five years ago called The Ms. Male Character. And uh, her video is about how it applies to video game characters in particular, like starting with Miss Pac-Man and on. Yeah. But just sort of unpacking uh, how we tend to repackage the same character, but with a very like traditionally feminine appearance. And they're usually weaker characters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're always sexualized and uh, given tits where tits don't be. (laughs) Have you guys seen Space Jam? Because I watched that a while ago. Oh, but Lola Bunny? Oh, yeah. That's a... Anyway, that's all I'll say. For sure. (laughs) Um, Last thing I'll say, this is a movie where within the movie characters are watching other movies yes a lot yes 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 yes, yes, yes. where they're watching it's a wonderful life they're watching a clark gable movie they watch snow white there's like always screens and there's always movies on them which you know is perhaps a commentary on how influential media is Mm -hmm. but they're in one of the scenes there like a clark gable movie is on the screen and there's an exchange i don't know what movie it is so listeners if you know uh let us know but um a woman uh opposite clark gable says it takes a certain kind of guy and then he responds with and that guy needs a certain kind of dame and then that those two lines get repeated in sort of like voiceover kind of thing mm-hmm. when gizmo is driving around in the toy car in the department store and it makes no sense to me as to why it oh, makes yeah. it seem like him hearing that would inform a certain decision of his yeah but it i can't understand Wait, let me why try. let me try takes a certain character. No? Okay. <laughs> well, no, it's not him he saying it. It's not Gizmo saying it. It is the actual dialogue from the movie that just gets... Yes, yes. Okay, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it does... I don't know why that choice was made. It's such a specific choice, but it doesn't seem to inform anything that happens right. in that scene. It's Also, weird. at the end of the movie, when the magical store owner comes back, yeah. he, he's telling them, like, you shouldn't be letting Gizmo watch television or eating snacks. Yeah. And it's true, because, like, Gizmo is watching all these, like, male-led, like, what media is portraying life to be or who the leaders or who the heroes of. And, you know, he mm-hmm. adapts it. So we've, yeah. in fact, infected Gizmo. This oh, poor Gizmo. With the patriarchy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> This is like another uh, trend that I think gets really popular in the 80s and sort of continues on is like the whole like, oh, we're like post movies. We're (laughs) we're like commenting on blah, blah, blah. And like that's first of all. I'm so bored. I'm dead. Um, but, like, they show so much other stuff. But they don't really comment on it other than, like, it's a wonderful life. That was a happy movie. Anyways, mm-hmm. this one's fucked up. So here's the movie. Like, the... Right. And just, like, it It almost... It's, listen, doing things like this ends... The end game of it is we end up having to watch Shrek in the future. Because all of a sudden it's like, oh, every postmodern reference is the cutest thing in the whole world. And then all of a sudden it's a movie. And then we have to watch that movie. Uh, the Clark Gable movie I'm seeing was called To Please a Lady. Oh, wow. <laughs> There's also Who a, knows better than Clark Gable? And, and then Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Uh, oh, right. That was one. That's that when the, the one. gremlin cocoons are hatching. I, was, I took note of the first movie that was on the uh, the awning of the movie theater. It was A Boy's Life. Yeah. And then it yes. was, which 
is, is a movie that happened later on in life. <laughs> like it's it is a fake movie at that point, but later it's a movie with I think Whoa. Leonardo DiCaprio or something. Oh, and Robert De Niro. Well, this maybe? is a great time to bring up Titanic then. Jeez, wow. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> and then Snow White. Snow White. About sleeping woman. I, also, I think Alfred Molina <laughs> refused to participate in this movie. But, his, he read the script. He's just like this is. There's no parts for him. Riddled with it. This is riddled. With he was problems. originally the voice of Gizmo. <laughs> he was yes. And then they were like, "Sorry, Alfred, we could get Mandel." Yeah. So, <laughs> you're... Big shot Mandel's in town, and he has a tiny person's voice. <laughs> well, I think the question on all of our minds is, how many nipples does a Mogwai have? Oh, and, oh that's a good question. Well, we do see cats. Mrs. Deagle has cats in the movie, and a lot. Yeah, a lot of cats, which is demonizing owning a lot of cats. I think I loved that one of her cats was named Old Dollar Bill. (laughs) She has one thing on her mind, baby. (laughs) That's true. Get that money, girl. Oh, I want to name a cat Dollar Bill (laughs) and wait for it to get old. (laughs) Oh gosh. Uh, Any? Does anyone have anything else? Honestly, I will watch Gremlins too now. I kind of want to. I kind of want to because that's the one everyone talks about more. I feel because it's just like all the there's like a bat gremlin, there's a spider gremlin, yeah, there's, there's all a these sexy female one. <laughs> yeah, and, and Gizmo dances. Gizmo dances. Yeah, he oh, dances. Gizmo. Well, that does sound fun. Yeah, I'll probably God see damn it. it! Well, what are you doing later, Jamie? Let's watch Gremlins too. Okay, <laughs> sounds good. Should we uh, determine whether or not this movie passes the Bechdel test? Sure. Okie dokie. Well, uh, as you hinted at, Mujan, there is a scene between a character named Mrs. Harris and Mrs. Deagle. The exchange goes something along the lines of like, hey, my husband got another job and I've taken up sewing. And Mrs. Deagle's like, what are you saying? (laughs) And she's like, well, we're not going to make any money for two weeks. So like... Can you give us more time? And she, Mrs. Deagle says, the bank and I have the same purpose, to make money. money. And oh, she's like, yes. Dollar Bill needs to eat his food. Big fan of Mrs. Deagle. <laughs> Mrs. Deagle. Mrs. Deagle stan. <laughs> Mrs. Harris is like, but Mrs. Deagle, it's Christmas. And then she's like, well, now you know what to ask Santa for, don't you? Money. <laughs> and then uh, Phoebe Case's character comes in. It's like, actually, Santa isn't real. Want to know how I know? No, not this again. She okay. goes around town telling the story every Christmas. It's like six people live here. We know. <laughs> okay, so uh, Mrs. Harris's husband, Joe, does get mentioned in this scene, but you could possibly make the argument that there's like at least a two-line exchange yes. where oh, the bank and I have the same purpose to make money. Mrs. Deagle, it's Christmas. Although Christmas mm-hmm. does have Christ in it and Christ was a man. Mm-hmm. And then she also says Santa, who is also a man. And also, we don't know those characters' first names. I don't know if that matters. Well, but... her, she, under IMDb, is credited as Mrs. Joe Harris. Yeah. Oh, Mrs. Joe Harris. Yes, yeah, so oh, she doesn't so... have her own name. So she's exclusively <gasps> defined yes, by the man yes. she married. Sick. Okay. Awesome. Also, that scene ends on, again and again, like, Chris Columbus, I, it seems like you're going for fucking something. But it, was she at the end, her son is like, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. And she's like, me too. And you're just like... What? What? That's mm. not resolved in the movie. No, but when he I, wrote, he's like, boom. He's, he's like, like, I've seen It's a Wonderful Life. My mind. movie's going to be just like that, but with monsters. And no <laughs> resolution. And <laughs> poverty. Yeah. Boom, Chris Columbus, Coop, Carter. Yeah. Also, could you have <laughs> a more, is there a worse person right. to be named after? Oh, Christopher Columbus? Oh. Yeah. I mean, yeah, of yeah, course yeah. he makes racist movies. Right. <laughs> of course. It's practically in his DNA. Unless I'm missing something, 
I think that's the only scene in which two women interact in the whole movie. Am yeah, I, right? I was, went through it again I and something. I couldn't find one. Yeah. 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 So, and I'm going to I'm going to say this this scene does not pass because one we kind of know that character's name, but like she's defined as Mrs. Mrs. Joe Harris, Harris, so like that's not great we also only see her in that one scene and then i think never again mm-hmm. does it pass when mrs deagle's talking to her cats i was thinking that too yeah. they could be that was my cats. only other question is what old did the dollar cats bill, respond old dollar bill gives her some great advice yeah <laughs> really opens up some discourse yeah. in the household um yeah i'm gonna say this is a, a no for me on passing the bechdel test i was back and forth but ultimately a no as well yeah god damn it Well, shoot. Hey, let's rate the movie on our nipple scale. Okay. Zero to five nipples based on its portrayal of women. I'm going (laughs) to give this a half nipple. Yeah. And maybe that's even being generous because I I think it's probably for the scene where you do see the mom character being active and Mm -hmm. defending herself at least for a little bit. But again, she has to be saved. She's only using domestic appliances to fight. And then the Kate character really serves no function in the movie except to be the romantic interest of the male hero. The other main female character who is the like pro-capitalist villain is so cartoonishly characterized that she's like basically not even a real person. Between that and the egregious racism of the movie is not good. So I'll give a half nipple, and that belongs to Gizmo, who I'm pretty sure does have a nipple in there somewhere. Uh, I'm going to go half nipple as well uh, for all the reasons you said, and also for going 15% of the way of writing a female character in Kate, where we, at very least know that she has a job we know a little bit about her Mm -hmm. she is treated by her romantic interest generally respectfully uh which is a little more than you would get in most movies of this time especially considering this is like peak john hughes so everything i don't know the movie is like it's it's i didn't like it i didn't (laughs) like it but Gizmo was so cute, and that's hard for me. And, yeah, and so that's I'll why go. it's there though to distract us. I know. Yeah. It's like I want the lunchbox. It's like, why is the woman cropped out? Oh, Gizmo! Like, oh, he's in a blankie. He has sunglasses. I did audibly go, oh, know, when when too. he was on the dartboard. You're oh, like, oh. I know. Uh, oh God, I googled way too much. That <laughs> that scene is there because they were so angry. Okay, so basically Gizmo was only supposed to be there at the beginning, but since uh-huh. they made it the whole movie, it caused such a pain for animatronic people and like cuz they had to create ways for it to walk or talk. So that scene was there for the crew so they could, you know, basically not have, have him immobilized. Yeah. And also just show how much anger they had towards having him there for all the movie. <gasps> Whoa. Yeah. So Gizmo so in the scene it. the gremlins are bullying Gizmo, but it's really the yeah. crew that was bullying yeah. him. Yeah. Giz can't catch a break. Poor Gizzy Poor Goose. Gizmo. Oh, well. I'm going to give... Oh, yes. <laughs> my nip goes to... Or my half nip goes to Giz as well. 
Okay. Yeah. I'll give, because I actually, so just watching this as like a piece of fluff without analyzing it or yeah. anything like that, just as a movie watcher, I enjoyed it. Mm. But the more I got into it, oh, come on, why? <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to like this movie because Kissimmee was so cute. But mm. as for the portrayal specifically of women, I would give it like half. Yeah. Yeah. Because it just, they were there, but they weren't in part of the storyline really. They could have disappeared. There's no point to them. Right. The mother was supportive and just locked in that house and I think she was letting out maybe a lot of frustration during that scene oh, where yeah. she was murdering all Ooh, the gremlins. I, I like Arita that scene where she's like, yeah. this is for all your stupid inventions. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, I guess I have to destroy this to kill that one? Okay, whoops, I'm sorry that happens. This is not a cappuccino maker. It makes tar. You dumb husband. Oh, God, watching her have to choke that down, you're like, yeah. girl, let's go Thelma and Louise. Let's get out of here. Get out of You can go out to, and also, the wife of the MAGA guy, sorry, <laughs> oh yeah she was also so supportive of him like all the wives that were there were just like yes honey of course his honey wife. definitely honey oh, whatever you wife. say honey I'm just gonna stay in my little cave house he and tried. never see the light of day no. he literally was the, the yeah. mega neighbor and then they killed her too so she didn't get oh, yeah. anything out of it so yeah I would say for women it's pretty much a half but mm-hmm. for Gizzy I would give it a five. Oh, Gizmo. Gizmo. <laughs> Portrayals of Gizmos in film. <laughs> well, Bujan, thank you so much for being here. In that voice, where can people follow you online and what would you oh, like really? to plug? Okay. <laughs> no, whatever voice what you want. Follow your heart. Uh, you can see me on the Instagram where I sometimes do things at Mujan Z. And Jamie and I wrote an animation of sci-fi lady show. show. Why did I say that? (laughs) Specifically for women. Uh, No, it's for everybody. It's called Human Kind Of. That's on Facebook Watch that we wrote with co-wrote with Diana McCory and she's the best Mm -hmm. and we do voices on it which is cool it's on Facebook watch if you're on that and uh, I have a we wrote on a sketch show that is going to be on a network at some point it's being shopped around (laughs) that's how TV works and also (laughs) Mission to Zix uh, ZYXX is a sci-fi improvised podcast I play the voice of a just like an old sentient spaceship who used to be a movie star called Bargerian Jade and uh, I don't know if she she, I uh, try to make her pass the Bechdel test as much as I can good (laughs) (laughs) but yeah well thanks again for being here Uh, you can follow us on all the platforms at Bechdelcast you can subscribe to our Patreon aka Matreon by going to patreon.com slash Bechdelcast it's five dollars a month and you get two bonus episodes every month and also, it is the freaking season to uh, go to our Tee Public store. We just released a bunch of new designs for all of your uh, winter solstice shopping needs. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so if you want a Queer Icon Baby Grinch shirt, now is the time I made, I think, maybe one of my most cursed drawings yet <laughs> with the baby Grinch. It's, it's gorgeous. Um, also, we have a... West Coast tour coming up. You, we're going to San Francisco Sketchfest. We are going to Portland and Seattle. Uh, those ticket links are on our website. If you go to bechtelcast.com and click on the live appearances tab, you can find tickets to those. We're doing movies such as The Breakfast Club, Fight Club. It's a lot of clubs. Um, the Little <laughs> the Mermaid, club tour. <laughs> the Club Door. We should have done. What are what are the other? Uh, the First Wives Club. What are we thinking? Oh yeah, we'll do that eventually. But the movies we are doing are uh, The Little Mermaid and Sleepless in Seattle as well. So, so if you check. live in that area, come on down. Yeah, we'll up, be there. Whatever See you direction. there. We 
Love you. We respect you. And and happy holidays, whichever holiday you observe. Bye bye. 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 <laughs> hey, girlfriends! It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't sister. know we were going to go there on this. <laughs> people that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in exactly. to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, right. which is different than empathy, yeah. right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. Well, how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.